0: hello everybody today's guest on the podcast is kristen Yerdin. kristen is a podiatric surgeon turned restaurant owner and chef who has balanced a very successful career building and running a restaurant with climbing hard at smith spending time with her dog who she loves more than anything else on the planet cooking and enjoying good food and genuinely enjoying life Kristen and her husband Ian built the Terrebonne Depot, a very successful restaurant, which has become a go-to gathering place for climbers and visitors of Smith Rock. We talked about how the idea for the restaurant got started, about running a restaurant, and how she was able to climb her first 5'14 at age 42 while working at the restaurant up to 60-plus hours a week. We talked about her training and advice for shorter climbers about her recent climbing and current climbing projects as well as advice for someone who's interested in starting their own restaurant or business or in taking a big leap. After interviewing Ian, I was really hoping to be able to sit down with Kristen and I'm so glad it worked out. I've looked out to Kristen for a long time and it was really fun to hear her perspective and I'm really excited to share it. So please enjoy this conversation with Kristen Yerden. A little bit closer with the mic. Sorry, you that better? That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty forgiving. Yes. And sorry if it's a pain. No, no. I just, I, I just will try not to get pumped. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Ian made the same comment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You ever get tired? Is your hand ever get tired holding this thing? And I'm like, actually, yeah. I switch yeah. Hands you like just like through. switch. <laughs> Cool. So we are rolling. We're live. Okay. Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time and for meeting with me. It was really fun to talk to Ian, and I was you have a really fascinating and interesting story, and I was hoping to get to talk to you, too. So thank you so much for meeting me in the van.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you, and thanks for thinking of me for this. It's um, its my pleasure.
0: Perfect. So when I was preparing for this, I was poking around on the Internet, and I was poking around on Instagram just to just to see what I could find. And I found this really interesting. I found two Instagram profiles for you. Mm-hmm. One was your name and there were zero posts. <laughs> and the other one was called Walk the Caspa. Yes. And it's also you and yes. there's six photos of you and your dog.
1: Yes. <laughs> so
0: I found that really wonderful.
1: <laughs> so the personal one, the Kristen Yurdin is a mistake. That wasn't actually supposed to be an Instagram page. <laughs> The Walk the Casbah was supposed to be an Instagram. Page. Oh, perfect! And I'm not much of a social media person, and I don't, I don't know why. I like to scroll. I like to be more of a purveyor. I'm not a poster per uh-huh. se, but I do love my dog. And you do love
0: your dog. I do love it's my really dog. It's really beautiful to see. Yeah,
1: she's the uh, she's kind of like our kid, and she's we've had her for 15 and a half years. And it's casbah, and am I her name's Casbah.
0: Casbah. Yeah,
1: as in Rock the Casbah. Oh, but, right. But we walk the Casbah, <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so you know I kind of started that a couple years ago when she was diagnosed with kidney insufficiency and, oh wow and we weren't sure like how long we would have her for I mean granted she was 13 at the time so how long are you gonna have a dog for anyway but I just wanted to start having pictures of her that mm. made me happy cool. on my phone so yeah so that's kind of how that that started. And my guess is when she's gone, there'll be a lot more pictures of her on that post. Aww. So hopefully that won't be for a long that. while. I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she's 15 now. She's 15 which now. Which would make her approximately 105. 105. In human years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which is amazing.
1: It was amazing. And she's still, you know, running around and I mean, quote unquote, running around. I mean, she's more jogging around at this point, <laughs> but she's pretty happy and
0: cool. healthy.
1: Otherwise, I mean, her kidney disease actually got better, even though they told us it was going to get worse wow. over time. And we started doing a bunch of like hydration treatments for her and some medication and her numbers actually got better, which is pretty rare. So we were fortunate that way.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And I, I spoke with Ian about her a little bit and it, he really described that it, that's your family. Yes. That's your guy's family. Yep. So that that's so cool. It's so, yep. it's so neat. Anytime you see a human love anything as much as you seem to love Caspa. So yes. That's,
1: yeah. She's That's wonderful. Yeah. We're always <laughs> joking about like, if we had to get rid of somebody, would it be the spouse or the dog? it probably would be the spouse, you
0: know? Do you think that's the answer for both of you?
1: <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, and it, you know, and she even my parents think of her as their like grandkid. They they oh, care for that's her a great. lot. So we've been really fortunate to have them be
0: did part you, of her. Did you ever feel pressure from them to have kids?
1: Not really, even though I'm pretty sure my mom would have loved it if I had hmm. kids. And I don't feel like we were ever like, no, we're not going to have kids. We just didn't have kids. Okay. You know, so I think okay. we are kind of like, whatever. I don't think I was ever like, yes, I must have a child yeah. to bring into this world. But apparently I needed a dog, so.
0: Okay. <laughs> Something close <laughs> Something to that. Something close to, to that. that yeah, exactly. It's a good compromise. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> she's pretty, yeah, she's pretty fun. Cool. Yeah.
0: So you started climbing at Smith when you were in Portland. Is that yes, correct? And yes. you guys started the depot, the restaurant, at the depot in or uh, that the idea came to you in like around 99.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Were you doing a residency at the time?
1: Yes. Okay. So, so what was um, your
0: path looking like when you were in Portland before that?
1: So I was in Portland doing a podiatric surgical residency. Oh, and wow. so I was actually I did become a podiatric surgeon. And, what is the podiatric? And, part? So podiatry is like feet. So okay. it's um, we treat anything from the ankle down, sports injuries, health problems such as diabetes. Diabetes are very prevalent with in, mm. in the foot. Elderly patients, pretty much anything that has to do with the foot. So you'd be surprised how much there is that ends up showing in your feet, hmm. medically speaking. So I did my undergrad, not my undergrad, my medical school in San Francisco, okay. um, which was a four-year postgraduate program and got my, um, basically it's your doctorate of podiatric medicine. And then I got a surgical residency in Portland that started in 97 and finished in 99. And even when I was in medical school, I wasn't really sure if that's really what I should be doing. I Hmm. was really interested in the science behind it. I was really interested in like sports injuries and biomechanics and that aspect. I don't think that it was really the right choice for me at the time, but at the time it's like, you kind of start something, so you finish it. And I was hoping that I would really enjoy surgery, Okay. but I learned that like, once you learn surgery, you kind of know what you're doing. It's not a super creative field Hmm. for the most part, like you are kind of doing procedures and I mean, you're not getting super creative
0: with. I would hope not.
1: Yeah. Except (laughs) which you shouldn't really be, you know? (laughs) So unless you're, you know, doing some sort of, you know, research or, or whatnot, which is not what I was doing. And and I also am not a huge proponent of surgery for a lot of things. Mm. And I think if you're a surgeon, that's kind of your solution mm-hmm. a lot of the times for most problems. So Interesting. Yeah. And then the whole medical part was really fascinating and I actually practiced in Hood River for about a year and a half Okay, after my residency. And it was great. Um, it was, you know, a small office.
0: That's a beautiful town. A
1: beautiful too. town. And I was still living in Portland. It was easy commute. But I wasn't in love with it. I liked it. It was okay. I loved my patients. But I mean, you have a lot of diabetic patients, you have a lot of very sick people, and I think that I tend to take that stuff home with me, whereas I think you have to be able to leave it mm. at work. So, Got it. I think it just wasn't quite the right fit. Okay. So.
0: So then, how did this idea to start a restaurant? What, what plan yeah, the seeds for that? Yeah, because that's
1: that's a little yeah. off the podiatric path. Um, so we were spending a lot of time climbing at Smith Rock, but we were living in Portland.
0: Just driving over on weekends. Just driving over
1: on weekends, and we'd uh, camp, you know, at the grasslands, and that was before there was even a toilet at the grasslands, and now it's more of like a real camping area Mm -hmm. this is you know basically 98 99 2000 and um we would camp at the grasslands, and if we didn't, like, bring stuff to cook, we'd be like, okay, let's go get some food. Mm. And at that point, there was really not much in Tarabon. I think there was, like, a Mexican restaurant at that point. Smoking was allowed in restaurants, so it wasn't exactly the atmosphere we were looking for. There really wasn't much in Redmond at mm. that time either. So we'd end up driving to Bend Okay. if we wanted, like, to eat, you know, good food or yeah. whatever. And so, for
0: listeners, that's like a 30-minute commute from Smith Rock to, yes, to Bend every yes, time.
1: Yes, exactly. So... Um, so we were like, you know, it would be really nice if there was something closer to Smith, where, Mm -hmm. you know, a community could hang out and there was like good food and good drinks. And, you know, someplace you could go after climbing and, you know, just hang out with your friends and not have to like drive 30 minutes. So we had driven by this old dilapidated train station. Every time you drive to Smith, you had to drive by it. And it was literally like four walls and kind of a roof. (laughs) And uh, it was on this pier block foundation. And we just really liked the building. We thought it was a beautiful building. And even before we were thinking restaurant, we're like, this is just a cool building. And as I got more, I wouldn't say discouraged, but I just wasn't loving podiatry. I was thinking of other things that I wanted to do. And one of the things I've always liked to do is to cook. Mm. I had never worked in a restaurant at that point, okay. but I, I had like catered some friends like weddings and stuff, um, mm. not like just small, small things, nothing really extreme, but like, you know, very casual situations. And I just, you know, I liked making different things. So it kind of popped into our head one day, like, well, this would be a really cool place for a restaurant. And at first it was just going to be like a little sandwich shop. And we didn't even know, you know, if the building was for sale or if we could buy the building or who owned the building. It was definitely a railroad station and it might've been owned by the by BNSF, which is Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Okay. And we did some research and Ian found out it was actually bought by this guy, Darrell Ferguson, who happens to own the thriftway, uh, not the thriftway property, but also Ferguson's market in Terrebonne. Got it. So he actually, and quite a few other pieces of land in Terrebonne, apparently. So Ian started contacting him and just kind of asked him if he wanted to... You know, consider selling this piece of property, and what would that look like? And first thing, the guy's like, "No, I'm not really interested in in selling this." And I think mainly it was because he had a lot of stuff in it, and he didn't want to move it out. <laughs> like, I think that was really the reason. And, and he is, you know, a really nice guy. And So we would call him pretty much every year for up until 2004 when we, he finally said yes.
0: Yeah. It's Ian described that he just pestered him basically. Yes. Hey, you're going to keep calling me unless I do this, right?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) And he pretty much was like, okay. And at that time we weren't sure if we could do what we wanted to do with that building. Mm. So we got an option on the property for a year while we did due diligence to see if we could restore this building, if it could have a restaurant in it. There's a lot of land use policies that have to take place to, um, one, the, the property was zoned residential. So Mm. you can't have a restaurant in residential areas. So we did change the zoning and we mm. had to see if we qualified for that. And we did like a big business plan and proof of um, a burden of proof. We had to do a burden of proof that showed that we met all the criteria of the county to change the zoning from residential to commercial And one of the main things that allowed us to do that was that the building was the original 1911 Terrebonne train depot. Uh And basically, we could repurpose this building and restore it and bring it back to life. And that kind of filled some of the criteria that Deschutes County was asking for. Okay. One of their things is to preserve historic Mm. structures. And that thing, if it wasn't going to be taken care of at that time, it was going to blow over one of those. (laughs) I mean, it was like pretty, pretty, you know barely held together, Uh you know, it was, um, it was a big project. Yeah. So... We started doing all the due diligence and I actually started working in a couple restaurants. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I worked. Um, so we moved. I are should backtrack st- a little are you bit. Are
0: still working as a podiatrist at the same time? Or? No, no. So okay. I
1: basically worked into, as a podiatrist since about 2001. Okay. And then we actually moved to Bend in 2002. That's right. Because we okay. wanted to be here. We knew we wanted to be in Bend. Okay. And one of the things we weren't sure was what we were going to do in Bend. And this was another part of piece of the puzzle was like, Oh, this is what we're gonna do in Bend. We're gonna restore this thing and I'm gonna run a restaurant out of it. Yeah. So I started working at Zydeco Kitchen and Cocktails, which was at that point on Third Street. And now okay. if you know Zydeco, like they're kind of one of the top mm-hmm. restaurants in Bend. Yep.
0: Downtown and Bend.
1: Um, the guys that opened it were very well known and respected restaurant tours and so, you know, I spent a year with them and that was great. And then I actually went to the culinary school okay. in Bend. At COCC, and did my training there. At the same time, working actually, I think I moved from Zydeco, and then I moved on to Staccato to learn more front of the house stuff. Okay, and that was a restaurant in downtown Bend. That was in a restored historic building as well, so that was kind of interesting. Did
0: you like it right away?
1: I did. Yeah, okay. I did like it. In um, the the first job that I had, it was like pretty much like garde manger, like just salads and stuff like mm. that. And you know, it was it's a fast paced environment, and you're just kind of go 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 and getting food out and it's you know it's rewarding in some way because like you Mm. have a project you do it you finish it you start another one you Uh know so it's like uh you're constantly moving and constantly working and i did enjoy the front of the house as well when i worked at staccato i worked as a server and also as a hostess and yeah it was great gotcha it was great yeah
0: okay So you and Ian had very different roles once the depot did get up and running. And you basically ran the restaurant. Yes. It it sounds like, I mean, the result is amazing. You really poured yourself into it. But it sounds like it really took over your life for a couple of years to get it up and and running and off the ground. Ian told a story in his interview about how you guys had installed a shower in the office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was
1: like, we have to have a shower in the office. So
0: you can go rock climbing and then come back (laughs) and and work. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just full of storage and aprons and stuff like that. And it's never seen a drop of water. It's never so. se-
1: I don't even know if the water works.
0: To so be honest. <laughs> I guess my curiosity is when you really got into it and it started taking that much of your time. Was that exciting for you? Was it hard to set climbing aside for a while to focus on the restaurant?
1: Um, it wasn't hard because you didn't really have a choice. Okay. You kind of like this thing's going. It is open. Somebody has to get the food out. That person is me. <laughs> Somebody has to order the food. That person is me. Somebody has to make sure these people show up. Okay, that person is me. So it's became, you know, like kind of all-consuming where you don't really think about what you're giving up because you're just doing, you know, you just go, go, go. And um, I didn't have a balance of life at that point. Like I would, I mean, definitely the first summer. And if not, like... The first two two summers, like the busier season, in through the end of October, I would be there at six a six between six and eight a.m. depending on what we had to make in the morning, uh-huh. and I'd be there until. At least an hour or two after close, which was nine. And then on the weekends, usually I'd be there till midnight. And oh then I'd gosh. get up and do it all over again. Oh, my gosh. So it was just kind of like you're just on the tr- – you're like a hamster. And you're just on the hamster wheel and you're just going. Yeah. So um,
0: Was it rewarding while you were in that? Or like did you it would be. Have time re- to think about it? You didn't
1: really have time to think about it. Yeah. I would say it was like after a really busy night and you got everything out. Uh-huh. Like You're like, ah. Oh, We did it. We didn't die. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was kind of like battle mode at that point. And and I also, you know, I didn't have that kind of experience. You know, I had very little experience as far as running a whole restaurant crew. Yeah. And so it was, you know, a lot of learning in the process. When I opened the restaurant, my idea was that I would be the quote unquote head chef, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be working on the line all the time. Okay. That never happened. (laughs) Okay. Um, Like I was pretty much on the line, both meals of the day. And if I wasn't, um, when I first, when we first opened, I didn't know how to grill, Mm. did not know how to grill like a steak, a burger, except for, you know, like at home. Mm -hmm. And I quickly learned that I needed to do that because people who say they can grill, aren't necessarily always telling the truth.
0: Okay. <laughs> so
1: like you have you you know it's it's not a it's not an easy task if you don't understand that process. Mm. One it's about like understanding meat temps and two it's about managing how these things come out at the right time. Okay. And so it's kind of like a puzzle. Yeah. that you're working on. To get these items out. So I learned how to grill.
0: So you and, could more closely vet people that were coming into work for you? Well,
1: one, you're not held hostage by your employees. Yeah. So like if Joe Bob, who's your grill cook, decides that he needs to take a ski day. Okay. And you're not, you know, you're not like, okay, Bob, I guess we'll just not serve meat today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gotcha. So, okay. so, you know, you
1: just, you can't, that's one thing I learned in a small business. Like you need to be able to do all the roles. Hmm. So, you know, I did everything from payroll to ordering to grilling to making salads to prepping to washing dishes. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was really busy and I had the line fully stocked with employees and we got a little short on the front, I'd be out front helping servers take tables or seat people. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a pretty crazy business. Yeah. No, but it was, you know, it's satisfying. It's just a little all-consuming. Sometimes.
0: Yeah. Maybe you've already covered it because you just, it sounds like you were so busy you didn't even think about it. Yeah. But did you ever pause and think like, man, I built this thing, I have this shower that I've never used. <laughs> this looks really different than I imagined. I mean, was that ever a bummer for you?
1: Um. I don't feel like I ever had a bummer moment because I think when I, w- I would have had that bummer moment where I couldn't really do anything, I was so busy I couldn't think about it. Okay. And like to think about climbing I'm like, no, I'm too tired. I don't want to go climbing.
0: Okay. You know, it's yeah. just be
1: like, no, there- I I just don't even care, you know? Um, And as the business progressed and I had, you know, better employees, I hired a sous chef, I had more time. Like, I wasn't opening every morning. It wasn't closing every night. Mm. So instead of, you know, these, like, 14, 16-plus-hour days, it would become more like a 10- or 12-hour day. Okay. And sometimes, like, an 8-hour day. Okay. So, like, that's tolerable, right? And then I would, you know, we... The first summer, I only had one day off because I didn't have the luxury of taking two days off. But after I had my sous chef hired, which was about a year and a half into it, I was able to take two days off even in the summer, okay. except for the rare occasion of somebody's sick or, or whatnot.
0: And is the business open every day or six days a week? or? Um,
1: the business was open six days a week in okay. the summer and then five days a week in the winter. Okay. Got so it. Um, so it, I was really pretty happy when september rolled around the first summer mm-hmm. and i was like we're just going to five days sorry i can't do this and yeah. actually ian really saved my tushy because we um were originally gonna open for breakfast okay and four weeks in it was like the day to open for breakfast and i was like or you know we were gonna open like two days later for breakfast so i was like gonna go in and start all the ordering and prep for breakfast and of course you know i'm like getting home at midnight or one and getting up at six, and so Ian's like, you can't do breakfast. (laughs) I'm like, why not? (laughs) It's like, when are you going to sleep? Yeah, so he was like very helpful in preventing that from happening, Cool, which was great. Yeah, Yeah. you seem
0: like that type of person that can take on a lot and maybe to your own detriment just take on too much.
1: Yeah, sometimes you're like, I can do it. It's okay.
0: (laughs) It'd be great. People like breakfast. People
1: like breakfast. I like breakfast.
0: (laughs) So was there a point that you reached where you saw this dream that you had of creating a space that would cultivate community and having a gathering place for people? Is there a moment where that shifted and you're like, oh my gosh, we did it?
1: I feel like we were really fortunate, in that people really welcomed us from the very beginning. Cool. So. You know, when we opened the doors, I think the first day, like 90 people walked in.
0: Oh, wow. And I
1: was like, okay, this seems like it's working. And, yeah. and you know, it was pretty successful from day one. Like, we never recapitalized the business the whole time that we had it. Like, it just kind of did its thing. Cool. And we were lucky in that way. And I think, you know, one thing is, like, it was definitely needed in the area. There wasn't a lot around there to do. I think rock climbers really appreciated it. Tourists really appreciated it. Mm -hmm. And then the locals really appreciated it. Like, we really focused on serving all those people and so like our menu at the time was like really diverse in the fact that you might have you know a table of rock climbers eating a bunch of fish tacos next to them is like a table of ranchers eating a bunch of ribeyes and then you know some locals having you know like their nice fish special for the evening or Uh or whatnot so it was like a nice group of people or like a family with you know kids you know we had really nice kid meals and stuff as well
0: okay cool yeah and we were jo- we've been joking about how you didn't have any time to climb, but you did. I mean, you sent vicious fish. It sounds like while you were working sixty plus hours a week. At the I restaurant.
1: sent vicious fish on the tail, end, like just coming off the month of October. Okay, which at that restaurant is a crazy month because you think that okay, October and Bend, it's kind of shoulder season. Nobody's skiing. Nobody's coming into town as a visitor. Well, Smith Rock kind of gets a little wacky in October because climbing gets very popular in October. The weather's really great. So you have tons of rock climbers. And they have this thing called the Pumpkin Patch out there, which we really didn't plan on the Pumpkin Patch. But when the Pumpkin Patch happened, it was, I mean, it's just like so many people going out to get their pumpkins, which is maybe a mile and a half down the road. Mm -hmm. And they would all come into our place and have lunch or dinner or whatnot afterwards. So. You know, we always said if, it, if the weather was good, October could be as busy, if not busier than any day in the summer, especially on the weekends. Like the weekdays would be slower, but like the weekends would more than make up for it. Yeah. And you would just be like, really? There's that many people out here. So. Yeah. So that was kind of a surprise. And I think it was 2011 that I sent Vicious Fish and I personally, I don't remember like how I got to that point, but, um, <laughs> I do know that I was climbing more. Like I was having time to get out sometimes before I would go into work, Okay, but I'd want like a quick, short, fast session. And if you've been to Smith rock and you've been to morning glory wall, there's quite a few routes kind of close to each other. Mm. So I would try to like stack four or five routes in together. And one of those would always be churning in the wake. And so I'd Turning in the wake, the first half you could actually top rope the bottom of vicious fish mm-hmm. with, and so I started kind of playing around on it, and I was like, "Ah, huh, I think I could do all these moves." Cool. And so then I started trying the whole thing, and I something happened, and it, it was one of those days where you're just like, "Okay, that worked for some reason." Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, did it so kind of come out of nowhere? It just kind of came, you? yeah, it came out of nowhere and surprised me because okay. I I would not have expected it. Um, Generally, okay. For what I had been doing at the time, however, I did, you know, in a restaurant, you are always doing something, so you're always like lifting something or bending (laughs) down or carrying something. (laughs) This is Um,
0: perfect. So uh, there's actually this is about um, chemical Ali, which is a five fourteen that you sent later on. But I have this quote from your husband Ian. It was in an article talking about you sending that route, and the quote is Ian describes a crucial part of Kristen's training program as fingerboarding, treadwalling cutting stuff, grilling things, lifty heavy (laughs) French fry baskets and carrying cases of wine up a 12 foot ladder.
1: That is true. It is true. I I do think that those things actually helped. You know, I feel like...
0: You should write a training plan.
1: I think you could have a training plan based on just carrying stuff around a restaurant. Yeah. Because I think you kind of get those antagonistic muscles on the lifting and then also the care. Yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: I'm intrigued. Yeah. Were you fingerboarding at the time too before Vicious Fish?
1: I don't think I was. Okay. It's kind of fuzzy memory back then, to be honest. Yeah, um, I do go, remember go. going out and, uh, you know, my friends and Ian being very gracious about me getting in a few pitches before I had to run off to work. And mm. me not even having to play, just kind of like go in, get it done, and then run up the hill. So oh, that was cool. really kind of a nice supportive thing. Yeah. So I appreciated that.
0: That's awesome. And yeah. for listeners, for some context, in case people don't know, um, Churning in the Wake is a 13A on the Morning Glory Buttress. Yep. Probably the most popular 13A at Smith.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: And then Vicious Fish is a 13D right next to it. Yes. And uh, it even shares a couple holds.
1: Yeah, it shares um the finish hold on churning mm-hmm. pretty much. So
0: With the restaurant, is there anything that you learned through that process, those first few years that were really busy? Anything that you learned through that that you wish you'd known at the beginning?
1: You know, I mean, I think the one thing I wish I had known was that we were going to go through a recession, you mm. know, between 2007 and 2000 and what was it, 12 did we start coming out of the recession? Yeah. Actually, I guess it was more 2008 that started hitting Central Oregon.
0: I was super Central lucky. Oregon. I was in school the whole time. Yeah, that's great. Like that's a perfect to time to be in school. Yeah, I was so, really lucky.
1: And we were really fortunate in the fact that, one, we had a lot of support, continued support from climbers and locals and Smith Rock stayed busy during that time. And I think that's because people didn't weren't spending the kind of money, but you could go to a state park and spend a few bucks and it'd have a really nice family day mm-hmm. and they would still go out and eat. So we didn't feel the impact nearly as much as like Ben did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just makes you work a little bit harder. Gotcha. So um, I would, you know, that would be one thing I would have wished we'd known before we started it. But like we, like I said, we were really lucky that we weren't really impacted in the same way that that the rest of Central Oregon was. And the one thing I did notice, though, is like the employee pool became like exceptional. Like you can hire, oh, wow. you could hire like people with really great skills during that time because
0: yeah. you know, sure. yeah.
1: nobody was hiring. Yeah. so um, So that was cool. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Is there any Mm. advice you'd have for, I I mean, I can't imagine that someone listening to this is in the exact same situation, but maybe someone thinking about taking a big leap and starting their own business or starting Mm -hmm. a restaurant or any advice that that you can think of?
1: Well, I think whenever you start your own business or you have like a really big idea that you're excited about, people could give you all the advice in the world, (laughs) but you're not really going to listen and you might listen like while you're doing something that somebody told you you shouldn't have done and you're realizing that somebody told you that back then, but you didn't really listen. I feel so, like there's some
0: stories there. Yeah, well, not really.
1: I mean, like I think people always say like, oh, how hard the restaurant business is and how much you have to work. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll work a lot. And mm. I'm like, no, I really did work a lot. So it, yes, people are right in that right. way. Right, you
0: still went ahead and built the shower.
1: Still have it Exactly. <laughs> I still had the optimism of putting a shower in there. So I think that, you know, if you have like a dream that you're really passionate about, like, I don't think anybody would do any of their dreams if they listen to what people, the negative things that they mm. tell you. You okay. know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of having a dream is like, it's your dream. And that's mm-hmm. what you kind of go for. Yeah. So um, advice wise, I mean, I think we were really lucky. We were in a good position we were in a good location. I think that restaurants historically have a very high failure, failure rate. One of the things that we did is we bought the land that the building is on. So we always had sort of the fallback, like, well, if this doesn't work, we at least have something to sell and, Mm. you know, kind of maybe salvage something. Fortunately, we never had to go that way. But, you know, I think a lot of businesses, it's like, if you don't make it, you don't have anything to sell. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... We were lucky in that way. I think that you just, if you're going to do a business, make sure all your ducks are in a row. You understand your financials. You understand the worst case scenario and like what that's going to look like if Mm -hmm. you hit that. And I mean, you know, what is your exit plan? Got it. So.
0: Did it feel scary? Did it feel intimidating?
1: Um... I think it must have because I don't think I would have worked that hard if I wasn't okay. at least scared or intimidated or like, I, I I don't even know if it was scared. It was just like I felt pressure that it had to succeed. Okay. You know, like I it couldn't fail. Yeah. Like that was my deal. All right. So like I was like, no, this thing's going to, th- it's going to work. Yeah. So
0: I'm going to do whatever it takes yeah. to yeah. make it happen.
1: Exactly. Cool. So,
0: Okay. So then it sounds like from my understanding, things have slowed down a little bit and you're able to step away a little bit more often from the restaurant when you're working through Chemical Alley. Is yes.
1: that right? Yeah. I would say that in the winter, I was probably working more of like a 30, 40 hour work week. And then in the summer, I was still like 50, 60 hours. Cause it's okay. just, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, you just, I think in a small business, and that's one thing is I think for a business to run the way you want it to be, to want it to run, you have to be present. If you're mm-hmm. not present. It's gonna go off course. You know, we always joked, you know and I, if we took any travel time, which we were able to take, you know, like a week off here, a week off there. We were able to travel kind of regularly, you know, one or two weeks a year from two thousand eleven on, I would say. We were able to, you know, get more time off together and we always joke that the longer we were gone the further the boat drifted and one day we'd just come back and it would be like a lobster shack or something (laughs) you know because you're just like what's going on while you're gone and and we were really lucky we had really good you know crew and um i trusted them but like you know people always do stuff differently than you will do it Mm -hmm. you know given the not always different but like it's not you in control at that point yeah so okay yeah
0: what drew you to chemical ali
1: so I'd gotten on Chemical Lee like once before we had opened the business, like maybe 2004 or 2005. And okay. I could kind of almost do all the moves and sort of see what you could do on it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting route, you know?
0: Okay. Had you tried other 514s? Um,
1: no. I, well, I had gotten on Badman. OK, a few times. To- I definitely had gotten on Badman, but but there is a extremely height dependent yes. move on that. Yes. And um, I actually was able to climb up to that move, hang and I was able to climb to the top, but I could never do that move. Mm. Like, it's just not in my cards. Yeah. So I had gotten on some other 514s. I had done what they used to call 13D, 14A, White Wedding okay. in and. Two or 2003, I believe. Okay. So, and that was probably the closest thing to 14A that I had done. And I think some people will still argue that it was probably 14A.
0: Right. Um. I actually spoke with that quite a bit. I spoke about that quite a bit with Ian. And yeah. so if people are interested, they should go listen to that episode because we, we kind of geeked out on the history of that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. And that was like for me... Um,
0: did you guys do that around the same time? We did. I think cool. I did it
1: one season late. We were working on it together and I think Ian did it the season before and okay. um, I did it the season after. So That's awesome. Um, but that was actually definitely the hardest thing I'd ever climbed at that point and it was, you know, a series of pretty low percentage moves for me at that time. Yeah. So um, I thought that was actually a significantly difficult route. So, oh, yeah. 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 And it's changed a little bit. <laughs> I don't bit. think I anyone heard. would
0: argue <laughs> <laughs> I think at, at all stages, it was a very hard, difficult route.
1: Yes. Yes, so. exactly. So okay. um, so I had gotten on that and I was like, you know, this doesn't seem to have any move that's really reachy. On
0: Chemical Ali. On Chemical Ali. Okay. It just seems
1: like they're hard moves. And, and you're
0: five foot two? I'm
1: five foot two. Okay. So I thought maybe, you know, this could be a project. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I got on it again like in 2011 when I was able to climb a little bit more and I was definitely not strong enough at all to like link anything but I could kind of have to do some of the move, most of the moves <laughs> there was one move in particular that I had a very very hard time with and um, it's a, kind of the middle of the route, it's like kind of the first real crux you cl- come to and it was when I started really working on it which was like the fall of 2012 I could get to that move and I'd always fall and then I'd Try the move, and I'd maybe get it one out of five times. Oh wow! Like it was really low percentage, but I could do it, so I knew that like okay, well, at some point, if you could do the move, you could theoretically do the route. Uh And then there's an upper crux that's I had down a lot better than than that crux. I think that. Maybe if you're taller, that one's harder, and if you're shorter, oh. the lower one's harder. I don't know, Interesting. but because but I, you always heard other people saying, "Well, this is the hard part." You able like, to
0: like stand up on your feet more or something? I or? think
1: you're able to get your feet higher okay. and not get quite as stretched out. Yeah, and the holds are really small up okay. there, so maybe just having more fingers in on a pocket or a crimp. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so anyway, where were we going with this?
0: <laughs> I'm really curious how you did a little bit more targeted training for that one, right? I did. You're still working at the restaurant. I'm still working at the restaurant, and what did your preparation and training look like?
1: I was doing some hangboarding, and then I, as I mentioned, this one move was quite hard, and mm-hmm. it's kind of involves you do a move to this really bad knob, and then sort of you, you get like a kind of flat cruddy crimp under it, and you, I had to get my feet pretty high my right foot pretty high in a position that wasn't great for my hip. It was like I had to have it like more rotated out and I don't, have generally good turnout. Okay. And then you had to get your foot over to a f- another foot way left on the wall. Okay. So one of the things I did is I start do started doing some stretching in my hips hmm. because I'm not flexible at all. So, okay. Um, and I don't like stretching. Yeah. And I'm probably really just as inflexible as I was before I tried to do that
0: thing. However many years ago, but did you have any guidance with that or working with anybody or did no? You just pick I just some I just picked
1: some stretches. I started doing some yoga and okay, um, which. I'm kind of, you know, plus or minus the yoga. I've also hurt myself in yoga. I've like torn it, you know, pulled a disc in my back because it's a lot of forward bending. But I do think for that route, that did help at that time. Okay. So, um, I was doing that and then I actually started doing some weighted pull-ups on top of that. And when you're doing all this foot movement, you're kind of locked off pretty high in these really not very good holds. Yeah. So I think that helped a lot.
0: Feel free to fact check, but I think I read that you were doing sets of pull-ups with like 42 pounds added.
1: I think the most I was doing was like 47 and a half. That's awesome. um, (laughs) That's uh, so strong. Yeah. So that was good. And I, I still, I've actually started doing pull-ups again and I'm, about 40 pounds now that I can do nice. 40 sometimes I could do 42 and a half but depends if I'm wearing my for... shoes or not if I'm not wearing my shoes <laughs> I could do 42 and a half if I'm wearing my shoes I could do 40
0: you have pretty heavy shoes I think I
1: have heavy <laughs> shoes yeah <laughs>
0: Is that for a single or for a set or for three? For three. For three. That's yeah. great.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I try to. I think that helps just with recruitment. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that really helped me. Is, so in the fall, I was of 2012. I was getting pretty close, but I, like I said, I always fall on that move. So mm-hmm. our friend Paige Clausen. I don't know if you've heard of her. She was visiting that spring, and decent, Paige, decent is, rock Paige is a decent rock climber, <laughs> and she. I, I don't remember what crazy things she did on that trip, um, but we always have a good time together, and she's, mm-hmm. she's a lot of fun, so she was staying with us, and in between snacking and training, um, <laughs> we'd go out rock climbing, and, you know, she, you know, I was like, I have a really hard time with this move, and she watched me on, and she's like, I think you just need to move your foot faster huh. over to this dot left. Okay. I'm like, but at Smith, you don't do anything fast. <laughs> 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 but I'll try, right? So I um
0: You don't understand that's not how we do it's it. It's not here. how we
1: do it here. Everything's static and very controlled. Yeah. So um so I tried and it worked.
0: Just using more momentum? Just
1: using more momentum just to flop my foot way out left. Okay. And then it kind of...
0: Are you, like, stabbing over to a foot? I'm hold, kind of or? stabbing
1: out to, like, a flat little edge foothold. And then it was almost like a extended drop knee. Like, my left mm. hip would roll in. Mm-hmm. And then I'd reach up to the cramp okay. that I was trying to get, that I would always not get. And then it went from never getting there on Red Point to being able to get there and do it out, like... Like I think I got through that like two or three times. Oh wow. Before I sent it. Cool. So and you know, if I got there, if I fell I could do it the first time. Okay. Whereas before I could I'd fall and I'd take me like three or four times to yeah. do it. You know. So I think after she gave me that beta, maybe like five or six goes after that I did nice. it. Nice. So right so on. that was really helpful. And cool. just also her inspiration of being like a really good, strong, try-hard climber. Mm -hmm. Like, she definitely tries really hard. And I think that's really impressive because that's one thing I'm not always great at is like trying super hard in the moment
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah.
1: I, I always want things to feel easier
0: right right i know i think that is a, a <laughs> pattern or a trap that a lot of smith rock climbers fall into yeah because so often you you can't really fight your way through stuff
1: no you can't grapple with like a two-finger divot no, and it's... like try to match hands on it if you get the if you get the sequence wrong it yeah just you doesn't... can't just
0: scream and bear down and try harder no. there's so much nuance you have to have things right and, it, it, and so much can... of its balance too. right yeah but it, it can become a trap
1: it can totally become a trap Interesting. And, yeah. And I, I feel like that more at Smith than any any place. Because one, it's, you know, it's like that. Like you can't, it's not a dynamic place in general. I mean, you could go to moves dynamically, but you can't really wildly throw it holds. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, I'm just going to try as hard as I can and throw and maybe I'll stick it. Yeah. Because you're like throwing to like a micro cramp and you need feet on when you get it.
0: Yeah. So, and every finger needs to settle a little differently. Exactly. And yeah. Exactly. You need to dance so. with the routes.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you you guys seem really close with Paige. you spend spent a lot of time with her. And it, yeah. it seems like every time she comes out here, and it's been a few times now. I was looking at her blog, actually, um, prepping for this, because I just was Googling you. And this blog post of hers came up from... I don't know what year, probably around that same time. Mm -hmm. And she came out and did Rude Boys. It was one of her earlier trips here. Yeah. And she stayed with you guys for like a month, I think.
1: Yeah, she's done that a couple times. That's awesome. Yeah. How how
0: did you guys, how do you know Paige?
1: So we met her when she was climbing at Smith and we just got along with her really well and we just kind of stayed in contact. And then every time she'd come out, we would, you know, she would come stay with us. Just adopt her for We just, she was like our adopted (laughs) kid. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, which has been fun. She's a fun kid to have, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. And then I was also I saw a post of hers. It was a picture of you climbing in Boven. Yes. W- was that waterfall Boven? That in was South waterfall Boven. Yes. When was that?
1: So that must have been two thousand and let me think sixteen. So we went there for Paige's wedding and that's how we ended up there. So she got married to a South African Mm -hmm. and they got married in...
0: Is it Arjan? Arjan. Arjan. Yep. And what's the last name? Dukak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: um, I think they met in South... They must've met in South Africa and um, we went to their wedding, which was amazing. Beautiful place and beautiful wedding and... a lot of the wedding part or the wedding group probably about 10 of us ended up taking a plane from Cape Town to Johannesburg and then drove from Johannesburg to Waterfall Boven and spent about a week there climbing and then we Ugh. drove from there to Kruger and checked out all the cool wild animals which oh, amazing. was yeah super amazing. That
0: sounds incredible. How was the climbing out there?
1: The climbing was beautiful. Yeah. The climbing is beautiful. I th- I mean I love rock climbing but I thought For me, for South Africa, the animals were the most amazing. (laughs) Okay, that was like probably my favorite part of the trip. Yeah, just like we were supposed to climb two more days in Waterfall Boven after some of the other people had left, and we decided that we wanted to go see more animals. So Mm -hmm. we actually changed our trip and drove the entire length of Cougar Park and saw you know elephants and lions and wild dogs and. Yeah, it was, it was pretty
0: cool. That's so cool. Yeah. It seems like you and Ian have been able to do a, quite a few more trips, international and around the yeah. country and stuff. Do you have other favorites that you've done in the last few years?
1: So we generally enjoy going to Kalimnos just because it's mm. really fun. Okay. <laughs> it's just easy. You know, it's like definitely vacation climbing and yeah. it's a vacation. And the people Smith there rock are very nice. Smith rock climbers need that. Smith, yeah, <laughs> Smith rock climbers do need that. The climbing is not intimidating. The holds are friendly. The holds are big. The people are so nice there and their food, I mean, being a chef, I love places that have good food. So, um, and generally when we travel to climb, we don't just travel just to climb. We like to go to places and explore Mm. the country around and check out other things. So we really enjoy that aspect.
0: Cool. So. How many times have you been?
1: We've been to Klimno's four times now, I think. Oh, great. So we went once before it got really popular, like in 2004. Okay. And then... We've been there three times after we sold the, bus- the business. Okay. Or two times.
0: When did you sell the business?
1: Uh, we sold the business in 2014, end of
0: 2014. And then has it changed owners again since then?
1: Yes, we just actually released the building to, and the business to, Two rock climbers. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. They're great. Um, they they both have great. really good culinary backgrounds. And they had um, a
0: food truck at the climbing gym, right? They had a food truck at the yeah. climbing
1: gym. Evan Schwender and Jamie Bouchard. Okay. And yeah, they're great. They're really great. And so they've been working hard and um, making good food. And so, yeah.
0: How does that feel for you now?
1: Um, Like not having the business yet still having like the property sort of thing. I
0: get Well, not having the business, but seeing where it's at now, seeing them... seeing them take it off your hands and run with it? So
1: I think, you know, one thing, it's, like, hard to let go of, like, your baby.
0: Yeah. Because you always want to, like, control how your
1: baby grows up. But, (laughs) you know, once the baby leaves the house, like, (laughs) it's going to do what the baby wants to do. So, Uh um, you know, I'm really, you know, proud of what we built out there. I think no matter what's there, like, the location is amazing. I'm very excited to have it back in the hands of climbers. And I think, you know, they have have the skills to, to, you know, move it forward and, and make it work. Okay. So yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: That's great. And it seems like the community element's still there too.
1: Yes. Yeah. I do feel like the community element's still there. I think,
0: you know, do you guys still go eat there?
1: We do. Yeah. Great. Yeah, we do. We do. We don't a ton because usually when we go out to Smith rock, we talked a little bit about our dog. Mm-hmm. So our days are pretty short. Like we don't like to bring her out there cause she's 15 and a half and it's, she could make it down there and come back up and she'd be fine. So but, she's like
0: 108 years yeah,
1: 108 old. Yeah, 108 years old. So... <laughs> But I don't really feel like she needs to hang out in the cold, Uh in the dirt for, you know, eight hours of the day. So when we go to Smith Now, we try to like make it a very efficient, short, targeted trip. And so we don't spend a lot of time out there. But occasionally we'll go out on a day that we're not climbing and just go for lunch. So that's nice. Yeah.
0: And what are you doing now for work or business now that you've sold the restaurant?
1: So right now I am not like working for anybody, quote unquote. I am managing the property. Um, Okay. We did just get approval. For the addition of a food cart on the property, and our and our vision is it being and this is you know like we wouldn't give it to a business that was competitive with the depot. We want it to be a business that's compatible, Mm -hmm. like a shaved ice cart or a coffee cart, something like where people who are already going there get you know can get like a coffee or they could get like a shaved ice or an ice cream or something after after climbing. So we've done that, and then there's also potential for other development on the property, but we just haven't really. Fully gone into that okay. at this time. We don't have any plans currently. Cool. And then I've been doing some volunteer work in Bend. Uh, my latest thing is I'm on the board for Dog Pack, which is okay. a <laughs> nonprofit organization that helps with. Opening up off-leash areas and bend for dogs and their owners, so that they can enjoy, you know, their time off-leash and that's awesome. whatnot. So, so that's How been pretty you, cool.
0: How did you get involved with that?
1: You know, I just I really like animal stuff, and I've yeah. really wanted to get into um, more animal advocacy and animal rescue, and I just think it's a really good mission that this group has because they work with. Both the National Forest Service, they work with Ben Parks and Recreation. I mean, I don't think dogs should be off-leash everywhere, but I think that there needs to be plans and guidelines and Mm. and situations where they can, you know, enjoy the life of being a dog, which Mm -hmm. is not always being trapped to a leash. And also for the owner, because that's part of enjoying your pet as well. Yeah. So. Like Smith Rock is not a place for off leash
0: dogs,
1: (laughs) but there are places. So, um, and they have, uh, opened up a pretty great dog park near the river trail called good dog park. And that's very popular. And they provide all the, the doggy bags for people to pick up their dog's poop. And they've contracted with an operator to like, refresh those and clean up all Mm. that all that stuff and then they also do the grooming at winoga for the snow park for the off-leash dog area up there so so that's pretty cool
0: and that's like a snow park where people can go cross-country ski with
1: their dog and yeah and it's like separate from the other stuff
0: cool gotcha that's up for listeners that's up near mount bachelor yeah pretty close to bend yeah cool good deal uh,
1: and then we're exploring some other opportunities and some ideas and okay for me i'm i'm looking more to get into animal advocacy or animal rights, okay, and working in that field. Awesome. So I'm always picking things that I don't have the education for, so I need to like educate myself all the time. You, I mean, en-
0: you must enjoy that. I
1: must enjoy that because yeah. I seem to do it. But <laughs> yeah,
0: learning new things, learning and new challenging things, yourself. and
1: also just I think that for me, you have to do with what you're passionate about, and like if you're not passionate, then don't do it. And I, mm. I'm definitely passionate about food, and I was passionate about the restaurant, but I also recognize that the life balance was not. Happening Hmm. as much, you know
0: is that what led you to decide to sell it
1: that and it was just like a good timing thing Okay, Um, I was
0: was that part of the plan at all from the beginning?
1: I wouldn't say it was like part of the plan But as I was saying in any kind of business, you need to know your options and You need to know like what your plans are so, you know, we had you know, that was one of the options was like, okay, we build this thing, we sell the restaurant, we build this thing, we keep it, we, you know, we build, and I continue to run it for the next 50 years. We build this thing and I hire somebody else to run it, but we still own it. You know, mm. we build this thing and we sell the whole thing. You know, we just didn't know at the time, but at, when we sold it, we were considering selling and the person that bought it was looking for something to buy. And okay. she happened to be working for me at the time. Got it. So it just sort of fit together Okay. at that point. Cool. Cool. So. Yeah.
0: And how does rock climbing fit into your life right now? What's that looking like?
1: So I'm enjoying climbing for sure. I think our envision, we had envisioned taking a lot of time off and traveling after we sold it, which we did for the first really year and a half, two years.
0: Um, Good for you guys.
1: But then Ian actually had some medical stuff. He herniated his neck pretty bad, pretty severely, and was out for a while. Yeah. So we were not traveling. We weren't sure how he was going to. Recover, if he was going to be able to climb again, you know, what that even looked like. Mm. So in that, you know, he did that in 2018. So in 2019, last summer, he did start climbing again. He still has some weakness and numbness in his hand. But if you weren't a climber, I mean, you'd notice the numbness. But if you weren't a climber, I don't think you would notice the weakness. Mm-hmm. But as a climber, we all kind of yeah know when our hands aren't working
0: it makes She's it hard when you're working with medical professionals too, you know? Like they give you a grip test or something and yeah. you crush it and they're like, "You're fine." And you're like, "No, you don't." Understand. But you understand, but then
1: I can't hold this hand like <laughs> this this pocket like this with this yeah. finger here, you know, they don't have the uh, they don't test every position that you uh, might grab a hold in. And there's right. definitely certain things that he'll grab that He's weak on. Mm. But then he crimps really, really well still. Mm. So he's, his crimp strength is really good. It's just certain hand position it's not, it's not great in.
0: Got you. So
1: we didn't really travel much last summer. We did a very short, like some short trips to the coast, more for just enjoyment, not climbing. And then we do want to travel and climb, but then we also realized our dog's 15 and a half. Uh-huh. And we... One, we we won't travel to leave her. Um, okay. So we won't go someplace internationally while she's still around. And I don't know how much fun it is for a dog to be like carted around to like different crags, you mm. know. So, so we'll probably do a little traveling this summer, but it just really depends on on how she's doing. Okay. Yeah. To and me, it's- like it's more important that her life is good until she's not here anymore. Because yeah. the rocks will always be there, or cool. most of the rocks will always be yeah, there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Except for <Fred> Smith. Yeah. <laughs> of the rocks will be there (laughs) right?
0: absolutely yeah yep so does that mean in the meantime more climbing at Smith you think? yeah
1: I think so we started climbing a little bit this fall and um, this winter and I think we're
0: are you still projecting there? I, I was in my homework for this. I came across a really amazing photo of you on Badman. I think it was a Ben Moon photo, mm-hmm. and this is Ben Moon, the photographer, not the Ben Moon Moonboard. Yes, Ben Moon. Yes. There's two of them. Yes, <laughs> Which the blonde, ben, the blonde
1: Ben Moon from yeah. Portland. Yes, with the dog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, are you still yeah. trying that?
1: No, no, I. Um, I have never been able to do that one move on okay. there. So I didn't
0: I, know when the photo was from. It looked recent. but I, No, it wasn't recent. Oh, okay. um,
1: that was probably like 2004, Oh wow, I would imagine. Okay. So I think there is a possibility somebody my size could do that move. Uh-huh. But I think they'd have to be a lot stronger than me or really flexible. Because I think okay. my hand and my foot have to be in the same spot. Oof. That's the only way I've figured out how to do it. Gotcha. I mean, almost do it. But yeah. it doesn't work very well for me. So I haven't really been projecting up until... Well, I, I did a mini project last year. I hadn't done turning in the ozone. Okay. So I did turning in the ozone last spring. Oh, that's awesome. And then, so that was fun. Um, 13B, pretty
0: 13 hard. B. One.
1: Yeah, 13B, yeah, 13B, pretty hard. I've been on the bottom part of churning like, for a very long time, so <laughs> so it's kind of not fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Really. How many? If you had to guess, how many times do you think you've done that route?
1: Oh, way too many times. Yeah.
0: yeah we'll leave too- it at that. Yeah, yeah. Too many times. Okay. And so
1: um, this winter, I started working on waste cased a little bit. Okay. And that's... Uh, it's coming together but it means I have to do the vicious fish or red again which mm-hmm. now I'm kind of like how did I do this yeah yeah. <laughs> so I mean I could definitely do all the moves but the last move is pretty low percentage
0: gotcha so so that one's almost like a direct climb into the upper or of vicious fish yes it's like a 13 B or C
1: yeah 13 B or C mm-hmm. I think it's quite a bit harder than ozone i think so too like significantly that i i think c is probably more reasonable especially if people think ozone for b is hard i just don't see how they're Mm. even in the same like category yeah yeah yeah. so they're
0: different they're different style but i yeah i wouldn't disagree with that
1: yeah yeah because they're both still really pumpy right yeah yeah so do you like it I like the fact that it makes me bolder, which I'm not okay. the best boulderer. So, um
0: Yeah, that roof section is pretty powerful and
1: I think the bottom boulder problem is pretty right, powerful. Right, yeah. And right the roof the section I think if you're short is actually not as bad. Okay. Personally, cuz I think if you're tall, I don't know how you get around that roof without your foot.
0: Oh, you 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 stick your foot in your mouth and Okay, say so your foot has to be <laughs> yeah. like
1: where your head is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you're short, it's kind of already, yeah, it's oh. not that much different, I don't think.
0: Gotcha. So, okay. um
1: So, yeah, I mean, I like it in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's good. Cool. You know, and you've climbed part of Kings, which is fun.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Kings of rap. Kings of rap. Very classic 12D. Yes. Awesome. Jumping back to Chemical Ali, were you hangboarding then?
1: I was, yeah.
0: Okay. I was. What did that look like at the time, And, and is that something you still do?
1: So, at the time, this was like kind of, I think we had like a hangboard in my office at the time. and.
0: Is that the restaurant?
1: No, no, not at the restaurant. I think we did have a hangboard in the in the restaurant. I think okay. there still is a hangboard in the restaurant. Okay. <laughs> if I recall. Perfect. Cause <laughs> the yes. new owners will love it. <laughs> exactly. There, we might've taken it out. I can't remember, but it was in my office at home and it was just a, a basic, I don't, I'm not even, I'm really bad at who makes what hangboard so i apologize to whoever did this beautiful hangboard but um (laughs) it had like you know all the different grips and the slopers and stuff and i would just plastic or wood it was plastic okay yeah and then we got the eva lopez hangboard sometime between that and when i sent chemical lee around chemical lee and it was i wasn't really in love with that one as much Mm. it's kind of sharp and yeah I don't know.
0: It's a little more hateful. It's a
1: little more hateful. Okay. So, and I think which that, can
0: serve a great role sometimes, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah totally exactly. Understand. So,
1: I was doing some hangboarding, but not a ton. I wouldn't say. Were you I,
0: doing repeaters or more max strength stuff? Or do, more do you repeaters at the time. Okay.
1: I, repeaters, but then I would also do the weighted pull-ups, which were more mm. max.
0: Okay, from so. a bar, or from the edges. From a bar. Okay. From a bar. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Or from the big. Big jugs. jug holds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Got it. Do you still do some fingerboard stuff now?
1: Uh, I've been doing a little campus boarding. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. Which I think is good for me because I'm not very dynamic, and I think that helps with that kind of motion a bit. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that a little bit, and a little. We just started doing a little moonboarding, mm. which I think could be really helpful. Yeah. But also can be dangerous as far as finger injuries go. Okay. And I think the older you get, the more prone you are to those things. Like basically from 2014 until really like. Last spring, I probably was not using my left hand to its full potential because I had torn both my fourth and my third finger, Ooh. either my pulley or my tendon on both. So, oh, wow, okay. So I think uh, as you get older, the tendons don't really like it as much.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> how do you think about that now? Have you changed your training schedule at all, as far as that goes, or how do you?
1: I mean, I think that actually the campus boarding and stuff helps. I tend to not get on routes that have true monos on them anymore. Okay. So both things I've done to my fingers have been with monos on the left hand. Gotcha. Which if you ever climbed at Smith Rock and gotten on a route with a mono, it's always a left hand mono.
0: <laughs> That's so true. I know. <laughs> there's so many left hand monos. Yes. I can't exactly. think of a single right hand mono.
1: No, there aren't any. Uh...
0: There's probably some. There's
1: probably some. Yeah. But there's
0: way more left But
1: But like maybe right hand monos, but you don't really have to use it as a mono.
0: Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So, but yeah. there's a lot of left hand monos, so, yeah. yeah, you
0: really have to crank on, yeah, yeah, that's interesting regarding campusing, moonboard. How often do you do that?
1: I either campus or moonboard once a week, okay, but I'm not always that consistent, okay, I'm pretty half haphazard in my training, so okay. to speak. I have been doing more bouldering lately just because i I think when I originally started climbing, most of what I did was endurance, like yeah. I just did a lot of endurance, and I would say that. You know, at that time, if it was like an endurance route, I could hold on for a really long time
0: mm-hmm.
1: as long as there wasn't a hard move. OK, so if there was like a hard move, that would shut me down. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've been training a little bit more power. So, you know, the idea is that those hard moves don't shut me down as much.
0: Got it. So great. Yeah.
1: And I think that's helped. Somewhat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And do you just kind of do what you feel like doing that day or what you feel like you need?
1: Sometimes, or sometimes it's, you know, what Ian says we're doing that day. <laughs> He's like, I'm moonboarding. And sometimes we're like, okay, I'll moonboard. And other times I'd be like, no, I don't want to moonboard today. So, okay. But I also listen to my body too. If like yeah. If, you know, if... If we've been climbing a lot at Smith the day before, and he's like, "Let's moonboard today," I'll be like, "No, we're not. I'm not moonboarding mm. today. You know, I need two days off for my fingers." Or gotcha. So I try to listen.
0: That's cool. Yeah. That's something that I really struggle with, that I'm trying to learn how to be better at. Yeah. I can be. I can do the regimented thing. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time just kind of going with the flow and tuning, tuning in that day, and then adjusting accordingly. accordingly.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Sounds I think like that's impor- that. important. Part yeah, I think of, it is too. At least not getting injured.
0: Which, which might be everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Like if you're injured, you really can't do much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you are five foot two. Are there any tactics that you've learned or advice that you'd have for other climbers around that same height?
1: I think for me, what's helped most is one, climbing at Smith is really helpful for footwork. And mm. I think that has helped me with other places. That and like, you know, there was like an article, I can't remember what magazine or what it was in, but it talked about. Um, a study that was done between height and strength, mm-hmm. and like what your finger strength needed to be relative to your height, and it, it like the oh, shortest climbing. Maybe the shorter you got, like yeah. the stronger you had to be, and Absolutely. I will agree with that because yeah. you have to lock off lower, or you have to. Um,
0: I'll link to that in the show notes. I, I know exactly what you're. Yeah, talking you know about. what it's I'm talking about. So there
1: is some correlation in that, and I would would agree with that. Okay. Um, I also think flexibility would be really helpful for me like if i actually was extremely serious about doing a particular route i would probably work more on my flexibility mm-hmm. i just am not naturally flexible like mm-hmm. i can't touch my toes okay so that's something where i've seen other short women climb especially on steep stuff where they can almost use their legs as little hands <laughs> and like to me that just like hurts my hamstrings thinking about it uh-huh. so you know i think that sort of stuff
0: really being able to pull with Yeah your like feet. if you can't
1: gain, gain strength work on your flexibility so you can use your legs to your advantage and you could, you know, high step better or front step better. So I think that would be a helpful thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: And when did you start climbing?
1: I started climbing in 1994. How old were you? 24 at You're, the time. Okay. So I'm 49. Okay. Yeah. So I Got was it. 24. It was when I started medical school. Yeah. And I started climbing in a rock gym. Gotcha. So. Um, in Portland? No. In okay. San Francisco. Oh,
0: right, right. Like City rock. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. that's when City Rock was the gym in the Bay Area. Now it's gone and there's like, I don't know, 20 other gyms or something. Yeah, 20, <laughs> I don't know. There's well a lot up. of gyms, yeah. Right.
0: So. And you did your first 5'14 at age 42.
1: First 5'14 at age 42. And that
0: was Chemical Ali. Yes. And that is amazing. I love Thank that. Thank that's you. That's just so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what did your progression look like before that? And, and did you... Did you change anything as you got into your 40s and started and continued to work on harder and harder routes or how did that look?
1: So, kind of like I said, so when I started climbing, I started climbing in a gym. So I wasn't really climbing outdoors much and I wasn't traveling much probably until like 99 2000. Okay. When my first trip was after I finished my residency, you know, and I went on a 3-month road trip. Okay. And climbed in a bunch of different places and it's amazing like how just climbing like a lot, you tend to get better. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's, and having like different exposures to different places, like... Was it all sport It kind of works. Uh, it was all sport climbing, okay. yeah. So I definitely progressed from that. And then also living in Portland, um, when we moved to Portland and started climbing at Smith like in 98,
0: hmm. I think
1: that really helped my climbing because it...
0: You'd been climbing four years at that point? Yeah,
1: yeah. not much outside. Okay. Um, like I'd, you know, done a couple trips to Bishop, had done maybe a trip or two to just some local crags around the bay area but nothing no like real road trip or anything of that nature and then you know, we went to kentucky in the Red River Gorge in 99, 2000. And that was kind of opened my eyes to like different styles of climbing and different, you know, like the red is amazing. And especially at that time, I was pretty good at endurance stuff. So Mm. like for me, this was like a total playground. I was like, this is just the best, you know? yeah So just having the opportunity to go try different things and do different stuff. And the training wasn't the same in the gym as it is now. I think that those are things that, you know, now, like I think that can actually add to your climbing ability almost as much as traveling because, you know, I have Mm. friends who have injured themselves and then they've just hangboarded for, you know, months on end. And then they came back stronger than they'd (laughs) ever been and they hadn't been climbing. So, so there's definitely like something to the training and the climbing and like moonboarding, I think is really helpful if you don't get hurt. You know, I think the whole thing is just don't get injured Mm -hmm. because if you get injured, you can't train and you can't climb. Yeah. So it's a fine line, right? Yeah. In 2003, when I did white wedding, i would say that was probably the fittest i'd been rock climbing at that time okay so i don't know what the i haven't been on that route since that time so i don't know how that would feel in comparison to chemically to me at this time but um at the time i felt like that was pretty significantly hard yeah
0: it's tough there's no way to directly compare anymore it's changed
1: it's changed so much exactly
0: do you think you'll try another 514
1: maybe depends on how (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe Uh you know i think it'd be fun to definitely try another 514 i just want to make sure i do it in a healthy way okay you know i don't
0: um as far as fingers or as far
1: as fingers and like you know i don't want to psychology or what but all of of the above like i think that you know people get can get obsessed about projects and and i've actually never been like totally crazy obsessed about stuff which is good but um I think that you change your daily life if you're only projecting like the hardest thing that you can do
0: mm-hmm.
1: ever because like it's really hard. So you have to, you know, be really specific about training. You have to be really, you know, regimented on when you're getting out there and you have to like be on like a lot of the time. Yeah. So, and I'm kind of enjoying like life and
0: <laughs> cool hanging yeah. out with my
1: dog. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's and, I, great. and
1: also like, you know, if I climb a lot, I can't run a lot. Mm. and you know so you like running i do like running okay. and i suck at running i'm not a good runner but i enjoy it <laughs> you know like I, it's it's like nice to go out and how go, often do you go running maybe like two or three days a week okay you know and i um you know i'll go running with a good friend for like eight or nine miles and that's great but if i did that like three days a week i wouldn't climb very well
0: got you okay you know
1: i could do maybe like one day a week and like huh. a short run and then i'd feel okay you but feel it you, I, oh i feel it yeah you just for feel me. generally
0: more tired or i think
1: it gets my core okay yeah gotcha yeah. For me anyway interesting and then being older it just takes longer to recover okay. That's the one thing I've noticed is just you're not as snappy okay in a couple of days.
0: So if you're out there climbing or if you're focused on climbing like when you did ozone, you know mm-hmm. your side project, what does your overall kind of weekly routine look like? like how much are you training or climbing nowadays?
1: So right now, I would probably say we're trying to get out to Smith one day or two days a week. And that's literally, we go out there and do like three or four pitches. Uh We're not doing a ton of pitches. Uh And then we'll usually do one day of bouldering in the gym or rope climbing in the gym, depending on what our fatigue level is. And then we'll do one day where it's either bouldering lightly and moonboarding or bouldering lightly. And and for me, I'd campus. So it just kind of depends. Okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So maybe three days a week. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: And then some days like, you know, we'll take two rest days. Sometimes we'll take three, you know, it just sort of varies. I wouldn't say we're super strict about it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Which is fine.
0: Yeah. That sounds like you have a really great balance going now. We're trying to. Yeah. 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 As someone who loves food and Mm -hmm. loves cooking, how do you think about that? Do you change your diet at all when you're really focused on something that's at your limit that's hard for you?
1: I might not eat quite as much chocolate. <laughs> but I might eat more chocolate. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to say. Um no, I I probably don't drink as much alcohol, but okay. I mean, I don't drink a ton anyway. But I also I'm I'm not a huge believer in the starve yourself to climb hard situation. Yep. To me, like that's kind of like, well, dude, if you have to starve yourself, maybe it's too hard for you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like
0: like that. Yeah,
1: because it's like, you know what, why are we doing this life if you can't enjoy it? Mm. You know, I mean, some people do get pleasure out of like extreme sacrifice, I guess. Mm. But I don't think I do.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. What is the best decision or investment that you think you've made and this could be with business, or it could be with climbing, or... Well, does, I think does anything come my husband
1: was probably a pretty good decision. That's
0: a great answer.
1: Yeah, I think that was a pretty good decision. Oh, I love that. And I would say getting my dog Casbah, but actually Ian got my dog for me.
0: So. Well, hey, then so he the one everything. answer covers both, right? Exactly. Perfect. And <laughs> exactly. you guys, were you guys just dating when you started the restaurant?
1: No, we were dating when we were talking about okay. the building, and we were like, oh, this is a cool building. What could we do with this building, you know? And then we got married in... 2001 october of 2001 and then we moved to ben in 2002
0: got it so that's amazing yeah i love it that's such a great answer is there a new habit or belief that you have developed in the last couple years that's had a a positive improvement in your life Hmm,
1: let me think about that one new habit or belief i don't want to say it's new but i think um Kind of like all of us, you know, the whole climate change, what we're doing to our planet and how we can impact it has at least got me thinking about some of the things that we can do and mm. what we've been doing that can help that. I wouldn't say that there's, it's a belief per se, because it kind of is, mm-hmm. you know? It's kind of like, well, you could either not believe in climate change or believe in climate change, but it's science, so no matter what you believe, it still happens.
0: <laughs> still <laughs> happening. Yeah. So that's something yeah. you've just been paying more attention just to. Just been lately. paying
1: more attention to it, and okay. I just you know feel a little bit more interested in like what I can do in my life to kind of decrease that. However, I think unfortunately, you know, individual things are great, but there's much bigger things that need to happen mm-hmm. for it to really change. Yeah. It just makes you feel good about trying to, you know, bring your little bags or yeah, to the grocery s- store, driving a little less okay. or recycling things a little more. Okay. You know. Gotcha. But in the big picture, I, I think that there's a bigger thing going on that we as a whole group of people need to address. hmm So.
0: Yeah. Important to be thinking about that. And, yeah. And taking small steps to do what we can at least. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Okay. What is something that you feel especially grateful for right now or recently?
1: Well, I'm really grateful for my health.
0: So, you
1: know, I mean, there's a lot of people who are in their 40s and 50s that weren't as fortunate as I am or my husband are. I mean, you know, that Ian's been. And I think that, you know, having the life that I've had, I've been able to be more or less healthy, you know, eat good food, exercise regularly, have, you know, good friends and good family. And, you know, I just, you know, value those things. So I've been really lucky. Very and not cool. everybody gets to have that. So I hope I don't take it for granted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. I wonder, getting to the age you're at now, have you seen other examples in your nearby peer group where you're like, oh, man. Like, Has that made it easier to recognize that you have had your health and, and make it easier to be grateful for that?
1: I wouldn't say in the athletic community because yeah. I feel like they're all sort of for the most part, doing well, you know, unless they've gotten, you know, cancer or, you know, really gotten unlucky. But I would say that people in my age group that I am either know through work or I know through family and I look at their health and their decisions, like it's, yes, I've noticed those things. And that makes me really appreciate Mm. like what I have, Mm -hmm. so.
0: Do you have any final advice for someone who is thinking about starting a business or trying something new that feels big and scary and intimidating?
1: I think one would be research, you know, what you're doing. Is this a good idea? What are all the upside things that you are going to experience? what are the negative things mm. you know is, is this something that sounds like a good idea or is this something somebody already did and can i learn from their mistakes mm. you know obviously it depends on what you're what you're trying to do but i also think just being open to feedback is really important if you're starting something or if you're you know if you're starting a new business like you have to like i think we all think we have these great amazing ideas but sometimes we don't think all the way through mm. and i think sometimes if you just listen to people around you they might be saying one thing and they might be telling you something else. And sometimes it's like reading what it is that they're trying to to tell you without like maybe offending you sometimes. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where sometimes like people will be like, oh, that's great. But, you know, we might want to think about this. And what they're really is, is saying is that's is really not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: so. You know, that, that brought something to mind. And this goes back to when you guys first had the idea for starting The Depot. Mm-hmm. I saw this little quote, and I can't remember. I think it was in one of the articles about you and Ian starting mm-hmm. the business, and I can't remember if it was you saying this or Ian. But the quotes just everyone thought we were crazy. Yes. So, how how did you respond to that? Was that was everyone in that context the climate community, and you obviously didn't let that discourage you? So, how did you think about that? So.
1: I think the climbing community, like I think they thought, okay, that's a great idea, but you looked at the building, you're like, that's crazy. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> There's holes in it. There's holes
1: in it. And when my dad, um, you know, I told my dad what we were doing, he's like, you should just tear it down. <laughs> I'm like, start but dad, over. That, start over. I'm like, no, that's not the, not the point. Yeah. This is like about you know salvaging this really beautiful building ah, and he's, so cool you know that you guys so did that, did so that, that was like you know people had different ideas but mm-hmm. you know in the end I feel like they did support us even though they thought okay these guys are wacky but let's see what happens mm-hmm. and you know my dad was a very big supporter of my business and he was you know like oh it actually worked, huh. <laughs> you know, so.
0: Were you hearing the opposite? Like, were you hearing people being excited about the idea of a new restaurant in town? As I think well? people
1: would come by and they were excited about it opening. But okay. I think people would tend to be like naysayers, too. Like, oh, that's
0: never going to work. Huh. You know, uh-huh.
1: And it's like you're near railroad tracks. Why would you ever open next to a, tr- you know, yeah. a railroad track? It's going to be so loud. And we're like. Okay, well, I think that's kind of the charm of it. Yeah. And then the first thing people asked when we opened was like, "Okay, well, when's the train come by?"
0: Hmm.
1: Because they want to see the train. They're not, okay. you know, they're right. that's like that's like a thing. Yeah. Right, like right. people are like, "Okay, do you have a train schedule?" Cuz we want to be there when the train's there, yeah, you know? cool. okay. So. So yeah, so there was like definitely naysayers. Um we actually when we worked with some banks, they were like, "I don't know about this." Hmm. And we were fortunate to work with a as a bank that is changed hands a couple times since then but it was like ecotrust bank and they were very into sustainable projects and and you know our business kind of plans sort of fell along those lines and so they believed in us okay and we paid them all back there you go so they were right to believe in us yeah that's awesome it
0: seems like you guys really did do your research but it sounds like you just trusted your gut too
1: I think so. To some
0: extent. Like It it seems like you had a really good pulse on what people might like and you had a vision for what it could become. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I think that was one thing that we were, at least we felt that we had a good idea and a good grasp of what could happen in that community. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, we would drive, I mean...
0: Had you seen examples of something like that at other climbing areas? That
1: So I would say like the closest example was Miguel's in yeah. Lexington. Yeah. Or not in Lexington, in Slade, Kentucky. And yeah. that, Red River Gorge. Red River Gorge. And they were more of like a pizza place and more of a camping place. But, you know, it was where the climbers went. And it was mm. like a sense of community when you were there. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we thought Smith deserved. Yeah. You know, like we didn't feel like you should have to drive to Bend or drive to Redmond or, you know, have like no options for like high quality food and drinks and a place to hang out. And so that was, you know, that was part of it for sure.
0: Cool. Yeah. I have one last question then I think I'll wrap up, but what sure. is your, do you have anything that is your favorite thing to cook at home?
1: My favorite thing to cook at home. I like to make fish. I okay. like to make a lot of fish dishes. Okay. Um, I like to cook pretty much anything, to yeah. be honest. Like I don't—I mean, <laughs> I also like making dresses and different salads, and so. But I also like baking, so I don't really have a favorite. I wish I could say I have a favorite, but there's certain things I like. I really like to make so I could eat them, but. Um, <laughs> you know, everything is like a little bit different. I like things that have like really great wild mushrooms in them. You know, mm. if I could find, it's really about like what I have. You know, it's oh, like cool. about what what kind of food you're working with it's all about the ingredients awesome yeah
0: Kristen, thank you so much for for hanging out and for sharing your story you have a really inspiring story you've been a successful business starter and you've climbed really hard and you seem to have a really happy and balanced life
1: thank you well thank you for having me and it's been really fun to talk with you so thank you
0: yeah my pleasure absolutely great all right take care thank you Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13 You've been working, but you're With the weekend, you can freak out One in a million, you're a gem, shine when the light grows dim Sing one, one, two, three, four Cause, cause, cause Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it, like we do
1: it, like we do it Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it like we, do it we got the ride. Right.